This morning is uh, City Group Sunday. Um, for those of you who are not aware what that is, maybe you're a guest or you're visiting here this morning. Um, throughout the year, we uh, we do small groups in homes, but we do them in seasons. So we take uh, three times a year. Uh, we take six to eight weeks to, to dive back into a, a season of being in homes, gathered around the city during weeks, with the intention of going deeper in some of the areas that uh, Jesus is really challenging us with, and areas where we know that we need to grow and mature and we need to get stronger in our pursuit of what it is to look like and follow Jesus. And so uh, we're diving into that. If you haven't signed up for a city group, if you're part of this church community and maybe you just not got round to it, there are still plenty of spaces available. And actually, uh, you know, maybe you can't commit for the whole eight weeks, but actually as we walk through each week together, uh, you'll be able to uh, jump in uh, at any given point. So maybe you can't do them all. Don't be worried about not being able to do them all. Just, just jump in for what you can. But we're going to be looking at the Beatitudes um, and so City Group Sunday really is that little short window of time that we get to set up where we're going as a church family over the next eight weeks in homes. It's an opportunity for us to frame some of that conversation. The great thing about being in homes is that is is I like Sunday gatherings. It's nice for me to be able to share with you or any number of people that share from a platform. But as you'll know, if you're around this church any length of time, we are committed to building way bigger tables than we are platforms. And so the table space really happens. The conversation space really happens in people's homes when actually we can dig into the truth of God's word and then create the time and space for people to share, to ask questions, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to challenge one another. We know that community is a really beautiful place for that. The sort of transference of information kind of happens here and that's fine and God does amazing things on a Sunday. We're not stopping Sundays but at the same time we want to prioritize those spaces in our lives where either in the formed through what we do with city groups or maybe just in the informed, the unformed as you guys build relationships and connections and community with people. Just know that God is using those those table and conversation spaces and they're amazingly important. So if you've got your Bibles, this morning, why don't you open to Matthew 5. Uh, I'm going to actually read through the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, which is where the Beatitudes find itself. And I'm just, uh, I want to actually this morning, quite quickly, um, just frame where we're going to be going over the next week, eight weeks in homes. I will say as a sidebar, on Sunday mornings, uh, Sarah last week, um, uh, shared and framed where we're going in this in this series that we're doing on Sunday mornings. It's probably one of the most critical and uh, deeply complex series that we're looking at. So I encourage you to go back to last week's podcast, a little bit of an advert podcast. Go get that. If you weren't here last week, you need to listen to that podcast. It will really help you as we journey on on Sunday mornings. But Matthew 5, let's read this together. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of their righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those, uh, are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecute the prophets who were before you. 
Maybe it's a familiar passage of scripture uh, to you. And, and uh, interestingly, I, I think growing up in, in various different Christian s- schools or being around uh, schools that had a Christian ethos, you know, we're all f- familiar with the Lord's pl- prayer. We could recount these things. But actually, it's the Beatitudes that, that over the last couple of centuries, I think, have drifted out of our Christian language. And yet there are, they, uh, and these words of Jesus are, are critical, uh, not just information, but critical insight into the value system of what it is to follow Jesus and what it is to be part of his kingdom. That's what we're looking at here. And I want to make a couple of observations and then kind of pull this apart a little bit. And then quite honestly, we're just going to set sail on this over the next eight weeks in homes. The first observation I want to make is that, is this. What the, the listeners who would have just heard Jesus in, in that particular moment as he shared these eight insights, these eight values into the kingdom of heaven, I want you to be, be aware that this was a, a radical set of information uh, that the listener would have, been, would have been listening to. It wouldn't be what they were expecting. You know, I think, uh, you know, in terms of actually setting out his stall as Jesus began to start his teaching ministry. What the, the religious people of the day would have expected would Jesus to get in front of them and, and say something more like, blessed are the descendants of Abraham. Or maybe uh, they would have expected to hear, blessed are those who keep the letter of the law much like the Pharisees or the religious leaders. Blessed are uh, the Jews because they are God's chosen people. What Jesus lays out here was not what a first century Jewish person would have been expecting to hear from a religious leader. Because Jesus was setting up a very different value system than the one that was being taught and being experienced by the religious leaders of the day. And make no mistake that when we hear phrases like, um, that we may consider to be a little weak and wishy-washy, like, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. At the time, that statement was incredibly radical. You know, in a, in a time when actually what would have been upheld by the religious leaders would have been strength and riches and, and what would have been sought after in terms of influence and power would have been somebody who could, uh, could rise up against the Roman oppression. And that's what religious people were looking for in the day. They were looking for a powerful religious leader to rise up and and beat the oppression of the Roman Empire. And then Jesus comes with these completely different set of values that has nothing to do with overthrowing power and has everything to do with the heart and values of Jesus as a reflection and as a king of a different kingdom. And as he starts out this Sermon on the Mount, With these eight distinct statements of the Beatitudes, Jesus is laying out his cards on the table. He was showing people why he and the kingdom that he represented was going to look very, very different to what people had been watching out for. And quite honestly, even in these eight statements, he was undermining and overturning probably many of what people had grown up in their practices and their beliefs. And what he was doing in laying out these statements was effectively calling people into a different way of thinking. Second observation I would want to make is this, that I find it fascinating that Jesus, at the very beginning of, of, of his kind of public teaching ministry, kind of lays out these eight statements. You know, um, culture hadn't quite 
quite created the mic drop moment, but there are eight of them there. These moments when Jesus lays out a statement, and then probably you would hear the, and then nothing. Like Jesus is not taking a, you know, each one of these points is not then outworked with a nice three-point sermon message. There's, he leaves these contexts and these concepts out there. I find that fascinating because what I think Jesus was doing was acknowledging that actually that as he laid out the value system and the, the thoughts behind uh, what his kingdom might look like and ultimately those that would follow him, what their lives would look like, he wasn't inviting them into a concept. He was inviting them to come into a window of observing what the life of Jesus really looks like. And in these statements, I love the fact that if you thumb through the New Testament, actually you find a congruency, a a similarity between what Jesus says and what he declared in this moment and his life. And this again, for us sitting here in this room, we recognize that as as apprentices of Jesus, ones who are, are wanting to be with Jesus and be like Jesus and have all of my life reflected as his, We're invited into the same journey, not just to assimilate a set of phrases into terminology we might use, but actually to embody a very different set of values that actually comes through as a statement but lands on my life and begins to look like something as I go about my day. And this is what Jesus was inviting them into. He wasn't inviting them into uh, um, something that he might print on a piece of paper and put over in an information area and go, well, this is, you know, if you want to know what Jesus is about, he's written it down. It's eight things, and we'll put it over there on the info point. Just go read it sometime. It was an invitation to step into his world, to step into his life. This is what the disciples and all those follow, those who were following him were struck by the difference of who Jesus was, what he would say, and they were pulled into a gravitational pull that says, I want to be around this man. What on earth is all this going to look like? And that's the invitation that each one of us have today. It's not to sign ourselves up to a set of belief systems, but is to assign ourselves up to the person of Jesus. And to go, Jesus, I have no idea what all of those eight things mean necessarily for me right now, but I'm going to stay close enough to you. I'm going to watch you. I'm going to see you. I'm going to notice what you do as you outwork the beauty of this kingdom that you're speaking about. Henry uh, Nguyen said this, the most famous, thought-provoking sermon ever recorded offers us both a self-portrait of Jesus and an example of the normal Christian life and he expected that he expected of his disciples. As we keep that before our eyes, we will soon learn what it means to follow Jesus and become like him. And this becomes what we anchor ourselves to in this next eight weeks as we dive in at detail around what are these statements of the value of the kingdom of heaven that are supposed to be expressed through my life. Well, we hold in front of us Jesus. Mark, just a few weeks ago, was reminding ourselves that ultimately the lens by which we see everything is Jesus. It's not, it's not that we want to keep it simple because we're stupid. We're keeping it simple because it's simple. That actually to be a disciple, to be an apprentice of Jesus means I want my life look to look like the one who I'm following. David Pitches, who's a Christian leader in the UK, said this about the Beatitudes. He said, they are not eight articles of law to get us from heaven, to get us um, from earth to heaven, but eight attitudes that will bring heaven down to earth. 
And again, in, in some of our wiring, sometimes we think, hey, would, would you just give me the rules that I'm supposed to sort of behave like and give me the rules that I'm supposed to enact so I can, so I can achieve what I'm supposed to achieve in this Christian faith. And actually, the invitation is to a, a much more fundamental change of our thinking, our posture, our behavior, so that my life looks different. So practically speaking, let's just see what, see what we're looking at. Each beatitude begins with this announcement of God's blessing, and I'll touch on that in a few minutes. And then it, it, it starts with this announcement of the blessing, that, that one is blessed. And then it goes on, um, having announced the blessing, then Jesus described a, a characteristic or an attitude. Now, these are more than just philosophical concepts for us to just sort of ponder and wonder what it's supposed to look like. But these were radical kingdom values that were to shape the lives of those that follow Jesus after that moment. Interestingly, what's fascinating about these um, these attitudes is that they absolutely require action. And this was the big difference between, I guess, a lot of the, the religious practice was that the goal was to understand what the attitude would be. But actually, there would be very little translation of that attitude, that posture into action. And then moving on from the action, each one of these statements, these values comes with a promise of a beautiful reward. But that promise is only attainable. It's only found. It's only discovered through the process of intentional response as we seek to follow Jesus in his way. You know, the promise given in the first and last of the Beatitudes is nothing less than the whole entire kingdom of God itself. Those who are poor in spirit, those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, they're told theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And for the other Beatitudes, some of the aspects of the kingdom are given. To those who mourn, there would be strength to persevere. For those who have, who, uh, have pure in heart, who are pure in heart, they would see God. And those who are merciful, they would find and experience mercy for themselves. So with these eight Beatitudes that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks in homes, they are these countercultural kingdom values, which actually we don't simply just own a cerebral thought level, but we actually say, gosh, how does my life need to be reorientated, reconfigured towards these values so that the action of my life looks as intentional as Jesus did. And that's where really we recognize actually this whole journey is a, it's a radical call to, to discipleship. It's a radical call to the question which we always hold in front of ourselves, which is, who are we becoming? I think if anyone in the room feels like, do you know what, we've arrived, I've got this thing down, the normal Christian life is like, then you should probably be leading the church because I'm not there. But the reality is for all of us is we're, we're caught up in this question of who are we becoming? And I would, I would ask that you would hold that question over your life, over this next eight weeks as we journey together with, with, with who are we becoming? You know, there's the individual and there's the corporate. Who am I becoming as an individual, as I, as I am with Jesus, as I become more like Jesus, as my life is reflective of who Jesus is? But then who are we becoming? that individual but beautiful corporate journey that we would go on as a church. But there are these blessed attitudes, and kind of running this down pretty quickly. Attitudes are simply this. They are the settled mode of thinking. 
I want to be clear in saying that, that, that I don't think this is just simply about changing my mind in the way I think, but it is about changing the way I behave because of the way I think. How many of you recognize that in your life, that actually that there are, there are key behaviors that start to change when we actually start to change our mind about something, right? When we start living in congruence with what we believe and what we think, we start to realize, oh, that's changing the way that I'm living. And that's what the Beatitudes hold in front of us, this invitation to be redefined and reconfigured around a value system, the way we think, what we believe. But that ultimately, that, that would find its out in the way that we behave. And then there's this concept of blessing. And I want to touch on this very quickly before we close. You know, I, I feel like... Um, I feel like so often in our culture, we, we find ourselves in very transactional modes. Uh, and I would hate for us to start to dive into the Beatitudes in the coming weeks and feel like, oh, do you know what? There's something that I get on the end. It's kind of like, you know, God is not this sort of, um, he's not this cash machine in the sky that where our behavior is good. He's like, oh, here's another fiver. Well done. Blessed. <laughs> Ooh, little bit of meekness today. There's a fiver blessed. This is not the journey we're on. And actually, I would say that in, in terms of actually the function of blessing, let's automatically remove this kind of fiscal financial thing, because some of our kind of warped uh, thinking around around values and, and what we get and how we are blessed is often, so often orientated around a, a cultural definition of what being blessed is. But actually, the, the concept of, of being blessed is far much more about the posture and position of my life attached to enormous uh, amount of resource, which is God. It's not about my ability to receive something in response to my behavior. It's actually where I start from. I am blessed. And this word blessed means singularly favored, graciously approved of, marked with God's yes. Other translations talk about happy, and this is not this sort of kind of weak feeling thing, but it is very much about the state or position that we live from. You know, I think sometimes the, our English lets us down. You know, when we think about, you know, when we're blessed or, or bless you when you sneeze, it's like, oh, bless you. But actually, we're talking about being connected to, being blessed is this transference of someone's um, the, the, the resource of somebody and it being transferred onto somebody else. We have to understand that this concept of blessing is not about what we earn, but it's about the journey of grace, that actually we exist in that posture and position of being blessed in order that our lives would look different. So as we journey through each one of these Beatitudes, um, we're going to discover that they are complex that they actually are really hard to live out. There's a challenge coming to every single one of our lives. But they're also beautiful. They describe what it means to not just think about following Jesus, but to get my skin and my behavior in the game of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And as we remind ourselves today that actually these these beatitudes, these values, the, the way that Jesus not just spoke these things out, but orientated his life. We find them in the life of Jesus. So in, in any doubt, as we, as we dive through the Beatitudes, we're, we're setting up a, a bit of an insight, a bit of a window, a bit of a reflection into the rest of Jesus' life. And we can begin to say, gosh, actually, all of this stems from this wiring system of the kingdom that we find in Jesus. This is what his life looks like. And ultimately, this is what my life gets to look like.
And so in these very uh, short sentences, the Beatitudes are probably the most important, subversive, and revolutionary verses in the Bible. In order to actually truly follow Jesus, we actually have to wrestle with these things. You don't have to just memorize them and say, well, I've got them down because I remember them. We have to embody them. We have to take them into our own value system and begin to say, where that doesn't line up with how I think about myself or the world around me, I've got to change. And change is that thing of repentance. You know, I think we think that repentance is just about sin, but really it's just about changing my mind. And in essence, what these Beatitudes open up for us is the opportunity to change our mind on some of the way that we think, to repent. That maybe I was thinking that I was heading this way and life was going to look like that, but actually there's a different way for me to do life. And so I'm going to turn and I'm going to go in the way of Jesus. So that's where we're going over the next eight weeks. Are you excited about jumping into city groups? All right. So listen, if you haven't, if you haven't signed up for city groups, I really encourage you, um, to dive in. Um, listen, if you, if you want to do it simply and like start off with the real selfish thing of, I want to meet some people in church. I want to go make some friends. That's not a bad starting place. That's great. So maybe actually you want to go find some new people in church. You want to meet in their homes. Brilliant. That's a great starting point, but just, be astounded as God takes us on a journey and what he does, what he's going to do in it and ultimately what he's going to do through it as we commit to one another and going deeper in this stuff together. Is that all right? All right, I'm going to invite Sarah because we want to take some time to pray.